gate. Standing on the promises, a great place to get started tonight, 598. Let's sing it together. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God My Savior, standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall. Lend us unto the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. And 482 more about Jesus. I'll tell you, that's what we're here tonight. Lord willing to learn more about Jesus. That's our only need. Amen. More about Jesus would I know, more of His grace to others show, more of His saving from this sea, more of His love who died for me, more, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of His saving from this sea, more of His love who died Jesus, let me learn more of His holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher, be showing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of His saving fullness, see, more of His love who died for me. More about Jesus in His Word, holding communion with my Lord, hearing His voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine. 
more, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving from the sea, more of his love who died for me on that last, more about Jesus on his throne, riches and glory all his own, more of his kingdom sure increase, more of his coming prince of peace, more, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. And back in the back of your book, past the index, page number 812. You want victory in Jesus? Just do what the first two songs said. Amen. More about a victory in Jesus. Here we go. I heard about a story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary. To save us sinners like me, I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He saw me and he bought me. With his redeeming blood, he loved me and I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. That second is the last. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. On me and he bought me, being blood. He loved me and knew him, and all my love is to give. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for victory that we can have in you. Lord, we're also thankful that true victory is not accessible any other way. Lord, we ask that you would bless us as we study your word tonight, that you would strengthen us. Lord, that you would work in our midst. In your name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. And uh, appreciate all the prayers. The uh, architect uh, came by last night. Uh, about six in the evening and uh, we went through all of the things that uh, we have been trying to do and and uh, just wanted to get a uh, final go through and make sure that we weren't going to be doing something that was wrong and he changed several things on the plans and 
And uh, so we've got to go back and refigure some things. And so I'll ask for that you keep us in prayer about that. Now, um, men, i uh, got to ask you a question. Uh, do you think we could get a sheetrock crew up for Saturday morning? Uh, the guys that were here last uh, Friday night, if you remember, we put that whole wall up, all except for the first piece, in about four hours. And uh, it looks like Brother Shaw and I should be able to get the entire wall ready, but we're going to need some help to put the sheetrock up. And if we could get some men to help us, we could probably get that done in about four or five hours, maybe start about 8, 8.30, something like that, and, uh, and, and work. But we're going to need about four or five guys that could help us there. Do we have any victims? I got one, two, okay, three. Anybody else would be willing to come and break their back there? Okay, I think we got enough to, to get started anyway. You pray for us if we can, that we can get that done. We'd like to get the wall closed in. I'm sure Brother and Mrs. Sarabi would like the wall closed in before Sunday as well. And uh, they put up with it pretty bad shape last week, but if we could just seal that thing in. And uh, we are uh, making uh, progress on several fronts. Uh, the neat thing about the changes that the architect made uh, should save us uh, some serious money. And uh, some of the uh, extra options that we were kind of thinking about doing, he said, mm -mm, not going to work. So uh, it's, it should be uh, less, but we've got to figure it. We've got to get all of our little duckies in a row, and then we've got to send everything over to the company and they've got to rework what they're doing, then they'll send us back another one, then we'll sign the contract, and, and uh, isn't that so much fun? Uh, it's, but it's a whole lot better than jury duty, I'll tell you that. And so uh, you pray with us about that, but we are progressing. We've got uh, the man who's going to do the tile work for us, supposedly uh, tentatively coming the first full week in March. Uh, you're going to have to sit down and be quiet now. All right, and uh, we also have uh, another pastor friend of ours from Montreal that's going to be taping all of the scenes and doing the part that's going to make it look good. He's going to come the week before the tile man's coming. So, I mean, everything is kind of just uh, looking like it just might lay right in place, but if we don't get the walls up, they won't have anything to do. So you pray for us that we can... Uh, get these walls put up and uh, and uh, uh, finished on time so that uh, the rest of the things uh, will work the way they're supposed to. And uh, what about visitation on Saturday afternoon? Uh, what we could do is what we have done in the past with things like this is uh, we've uh, called upon our honorable and great ladies to go passing out tracts for us in the afternoon uh, if we get done in enough time you might we might could go if not um, you know how those things work you plan on getting it done and it takes a little longer than you think so just uh, uh, pray about that and uh, men what we'll do is when we finish work in the basement we'll have prayer meeting and then we'll send you home all right so you don't have to come back and all that good stuff and of course well, uh, regular services on Sunday. And uh, those of you that are praying about that meeting with Franz's father, 
keep praying. Uh, he is uh, uh, he wants to reschedule because he hasn't had enough time to study and prepare for the meeting. And, and so uh, you pray about that. He he's going to ask me very difficult questions, and uh, uh, you just. <laughs> Uh, the only problem is most of those very difficult questions that people like to ask uh, aren't so difficult when you open the pages of the Bible, amen? And so you, you pray about that, that we will actually have the meeting and, and that we'll be able to witness to his Father, not just get in a debate. That's not the goal. The goal is to discuss the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And let's stand together, page number 69. Page number 69, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Page number 69 in our hymnals. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, Because he first loved me, it tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfectly. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he Father hath in store for every day, and though I tread a darksome path, you sunshine all the way. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe. In each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Seated, and just before we get into the Bible study tonight, uh, I'd like to have two people stand, Brother Joseph and Magna. If you stand, uh, we need to pray for this couple. They want to move to New York City, and they want to work with Brother and Mrs. Ravi in the Galicia Baptista International. Did I say that right? Pretty close, right? And uh, we are. Uh, uh, I've gotten to meet them this week. You pray for them. Uh, still looking for jobs, right? And uh, hopefully tonight after the service, they'll be setting up a place where they can at least start living here in the city. And uh, so you pray for them if you would. Uh, well, I would I would like for us, once, once things are settled and they're on their way back, uh, I'd like for our church to take up a little offering and help them on their way back. Uh, we need people to work in New York City. 
His long-term goal is to, after training with Brother Saravias, to start a Spanish-language Baptist church right here in the city. And uh, I'll tell you, there's, there's a need, amen? There is a need. And so you pray for them, and, uh, and uh, you can sit down. don't want to embarrass you too much, but uh, uh, lovely young couple. And uh, somebody said, uh, I, I remember them saying about my wife and I when we moved to the city, you're, you're just too young, and, and, and you're too nice, and, and they'll eat you there. And, uh, I mean, we've had an awful lot of stuff happen, but no one's ever tried to do that. Amen. And, uh, in fact, the worst thing that's ever happened to me in the ministry was in Cleveland, Ohio, not in New York City. Uh, but uh, uh, people are a lot calmer here than they think. Amen. And uh, I love being where God wants me to be. And uh, we want them to be where God wants them to be. And it's a wonderful thing when it's here. Amen. And uh, Brother and Mrs. Saravia, uh, I think they could say amen to getting a helping hand. And so you, you pray for them, pray that the Lord provides jobs and uh, gets them established and settled here and uh, uses them to help the Iglesia Bautista International. We praise the Lord for that. And so uh, I believe he, he, was, he told me he was just going through uh, the fellowship directory there's about somewhere around 4,000 churches in the, listed in this one directory. And out of all the churches in that directory, he found Brother Saravia's name and listing there. Now, I'll tell you, that's the Lord working. Amen? And so we're just going to pray for them and trust that God's going to do great things. And so I just wanted you to share that blessing with you. And... Um, it's just a wonderful thing. Grab your outlines here, and uh, we're just going to pick up where we left off here. Uh, we are dealing with pictures of Christ, types of Christ. We dealt with uh, the, the prophetic references to Jesus Christ. We've uh, dealt with the general references, the direct references, specific events. Now we are dealing with types or pictures of Christ. And uh, we've dealt with people pictures and the physical pictures, and now we're getting into the pictures of Christ uh, in the tabernacle. And uh, every time I think it's going to be about two weeks and we're going to be done, something happens like last uh, Thursday night we get halfway through the lesson, and so we're going to try to finish it. So maybe three weeks and, and we'll be done. We'll just see how long this thing's going to keep stretching out. But uh, let's turn to Exodus chapter 30, Exodus chapter 30, and we're just going to review very quickly and, and then get uh, going into the next picture of Jesus Christ. The tabernacle was the place where God met man, and God had strict orders and regulations and ceremonies regarding how that man would worship him. And as we went through these things, we're just talking tonight about the furniture and the buildings. We talked about the door. We talked about how that there was only one door. Jesus said, I am the door. Amen. Then we talked about the table of showbread. 
how that that was gold-covered wood that pictures the deity of God. The presence of God is pictured in the gold. The wood is the picture uh, of the nature of man, and those two meet perfectly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the bread, the bread of life. You must partake of him. But how do we partake of him? It's not as many churches teach. We partake of him spiritually by reading the words of this book and living them. This is where your strength is going to come. How many of you have picked up this book in a difficult time in your life and found comfort from the pages of this book, from the words that are written here? How many times have you been in a place where you needed direction and decision? I mean, I think of this young couple moving to New York City. You better have some direction. And that direction better come from this book. Or you're in big trouble, amen? And uh, that's just the way it is. You, once you get God's direction, you better follow it. Everything you need is written down, just like the food that you eat gives your body strength to grow and to keep moving. The golden lampstand, one piece of solid gold. It was made after the pattern that was showed to Moses on Mount Sinai. There are some things that Moses saw and got from Mount Sinai that are not recorded in Scripture. He showed Moses what the pattern of the lampstand was supposed to look like. And the Bible gives us a little bit of description of that. Uh, but the simple thing was Moses knew what he saw you and I don't. Amen. And we know a little bit about Jesus. But one of these days, we will know him face to face. Amen. And we live in a world full of contrasting, I mean, opposing opinions and one of the problems is people do not see clearly enough to understand what's going on I heard somebody on the radio today say if we just left those Muslims alone they'll leave us alone now how many of you believe that <laughs> okay we'll excuse Philip all right he raised his hand. You'll believe anything Daddy says, right? Yes. Okay. But that's not true. Amen? That, it's not true. And all you need to know to be able to see things clearly is understand what this book says called the Bible versus what their book says called the Quran. All you got to do is read what it says. And they will not stop because they believe it is their job and their duty to set up God's kingdom on earth. And you know what? Islamic theology has no problem with Jesus Christ being the regent uh, or the, the reigning king of that Islamic kingdom. They don't have any problem with that at all. Where they have the problem is 
this fact that Jesus is God. That's where they have the problem. Therefore, the Jesus that they look for cannot be the Jesus that we have in the Scripture. So it's two entirely different worldviews. We go to the Scripture, and it gives us light to see and understand what's going on around us. It gives us light to see our own sin and our own folly. It gives us light to understand who and what God wants us to be. And I am so glad that when I turn on the light of God's Word, I find out that my ideas and my plans and my wishes aren't on God's agenda. That He has His plans, His ideas, and His wishes, and He wants me to conform to His agenda, not the other way around. That's what's going on in the world today. Everyone is using God as an excuse to fulfill their evil, pervient desires. All we need is light to see. Amen? And it becomes an entirely different circumstance. Did I lose everybody on that one, or are we still on the same page? Hello? Okay, okay. I got some yeses, I got some noes, and I got some... Okay, so hopefully... We'll move on to the next point. Amen. Maybe we'll get everybody back together again here. Exodus chapter 30, verse 1, it says, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be. And two cubits shall be the height thereof, and the horns thereof shall be of the same and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold the top thereof and the sides thereof round about and the horns thereof and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about and two golden rings shalt thou make under the crown of it by the two corners thereof upon the two sides of it thou shalt make it and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold, and thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. Now again, we see the same thing repeated that we had in the table of showbread. And uh, the lamp, uh, in the table of showbread, we had the wood. It's interesting. When they put the gold on, out of the gold, they fashioned a crown around the top of the table. Now someone said, well, that's obvious why that crown should be there. It keeps the bread from sliding off the table as they would move the table from place to place. Yeah, 
Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? But who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Who has many crowns upon his head? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, the wording that is in your Bible, it's there on purpose, amen? Because it is a representation of Jesus Christ. The altar of incense is a picture of our prayers to God. And we go to the book of Revelation and, and uh, chapter um, uh, 8, uh, verses 3 and 4, and it talks about how that the angel offered much incense on the golden altar before the throne of God. It says, well, let's read it. I'm not going to quote it word for word, and I, I don't want to mess it up. Revelation chapter 8. It says, verse 3, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Now, it is a wonderful thing, and we just don't have time tonight. If you go through the elements of the incense at the end of Exodus chapter 30, you can see the ingredients that God wants us to put in our prayers. Uh, you can work hard at praying, and many people all over the world do. The Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, the Western Wall, the only remnants of the Second Temple in which Jesus walked, every crack in those stones is literally jammed full of prayers written by the, the, by the, um, the praying Jews, the Orthodox Jews. I'm just looking for the right word. I almost said believing Jews. Uh, but they don't believe the Bible. They believe in their traditions. And they write their prayers out. How, many, how much praying would you get done to God if you had to write it out word for word? That would hinder your prayer life, wouldn't it? But they write their prayers out and they fold them up and they shove them in those cracks with everybody else's prayers that are in there. In Thailand, the Buddhists have the prayer wheels. And uh, they write their prayers down and they put it on that little wheel and they think if they spin that wheel... Uh, that their prayers are being heard and and people have prayer books and and different all kinds of incredible things that go on in the name of prayer but if your prayers are not prayed to God in the name of Jesus Christ they are nothing but empty words we do not have access to God in prayer except through Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about praying in Jesus' name, I could spend the whole night on just this one phrase, in Jesus' name. I mean, we end our, I usually end my prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes, my friend, as with all of us, that borders on blasphemy, does it not? 
we got to get serious. When we pray in Jesus' name, what we're really saying is, if Jesus were here right now, I would be praying what He wants me to pray. I would be praying for the things that Jesus would be praying for. Jesus was our example in prayer. And, and, and if there's anything that we need to work on in our lives, uh, it is this thing called prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep with my hot rod on the street. Uh, you know, people have all kinds of funny little things that they say and they do and they make fun of. Don't teach your children to memorize prayers. Even when they're young, they should learn how to pray real words to a real God. And you know what? They might say something that you think is a little funny. But don't laugh. Let them pray for their big toe and brother's hangnail. God's interested, God's more interested in that than he is in our flowing, our God and Heavenly Father. He's not interested in that stuff. He, he wants real prayers from a real heart. That's why it says you've got to be careful what you put on that altar. Don't you offer any strange incense upon that altar. You know, people pray to all kinds of things today. All kinds of people. Prayer is part of our worship to God. As close as a priest could get to God. You see, he made you and I priests. When you get saved, you become a priest. You have direct access to God. That's why as a pastor, I don't use the title priest because I do not stand between you and God. Everyone in here, through the blood of Jesus Christ, has direct access to God. You are your own priest. Now, if we get to it tonight, which I don't think we will, but Jesus is the high priest. He's the one that has performed the work of atonement. But he has made every one of us who believe on his name, who've been born again, the Bible way, priest unto God. And we are responsible for our worship. And as close as you and I can get to God is the golden altar of incense which is our prayers, which Jesus modeled for us by His life and by His words. We've been through this on many occasions in our church, but the most famous prayer in the world, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. You can repeat that all day long. That's not prayer. Jesus said, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Those are the directions. You know, if I called, if you called up on the phone and said, um, may I speak to the pastor, please? And, and I picked up the phone. I said, this is Pastor Montoro. Um, oh, you would like directions to our church. That's very easy. Uh, are you coming by car or by train? Oh, by train? Okay, take the end train to 30th Avenue, get off, walk up four blocks, and then down three-quarters of 
the block on 35th Street to the church and you're here. Now, you can sit at home and repeat that, those directions, 100,000 times, and it's not going to get you one step closer to the church. You've got to live the directions, amen? And you've got to live your prayer life between you and God. And the only way we can do that is through the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one that makes us accepted in the beloved. He's the one that gives us access to God the Father. By the way, he said that we are to pray to God the Father in Jesus' name under the influence of the Holy Spirit, period. Any other kind of prayers are false prayers is strange incense before the Lord. And you ought to read the story of Nadab and Abihu. How many know that story? Uh, Leviticus chapter 10, they offered strange fire before the Lord. They didn't get the fire from the golden altar from the place they were supposed to get it. And the Bible says that the Lord burnt them up in their coats. He did not burn their garments. He just burnt them. I mean, they were dead. It was a, it was a terrible thing that happened. And it was because of this idea that they were going to do things their way, not God's way. Prayer is so important. Let's just turn to... John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. Just want to look at the verses here. And um, let Jesus' words speak for themselves. John chapter 14, verse 13. It says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, people love to quote those verses. It says, If you ask anything in my name, in the name of Jesus, I need a brand new uh, Hummer. That's blasphemy, my friend. It says that God may be glorified in the Son. Well, you don't understand. I'm going to get license plates that says, God gave me this Hummer. Oh, come on. I've heard that preached on television and, and, and radio. When I was a kid, they told, I remember this one guy. Uh, man, he, he'd say, listen, if God doesn't give you the first time, you got to get a little louder. Sometimes you got to get downright forceful with God and just tell Him what you want. I said, good night. I wouldn't allow my children to address me like that because that's disrespectful. Do you think we ought to address the God of creation like somehow He's supposed to do what we want? Let me tell you something. That's not prayer, my friend. It has no business. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 23. It says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever 
Ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name. I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and believed that I came forth uh, that I came out from God. Direct access to God Himself through prayer. But we need to pray in Jesus' name. That's why the psalmist said, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You delight yourself in the Lord. His desires will become your desires. Amen. You will learn to want the things that God wants. You will learn to pray for the things that God wants to have happen. And when you start praying for what God wants to do, He is under obligation to answer those prayers. Amen? Because it's what he wants to do in the first place. It's just you and I got to get there first. Amen? We don't see things the way God sees things. We don't understand life the way God understands life. And if we did, we would pray for the things that God wants. And it would be a sweet savor unto the Lord. And he will answer those prayers. All right, let's turn to Exodus chapter 26. Exodus chapter 26, and one of the most interesting articles of furniture is the next one that we're going to deal with. Exodus 26 and verse 31. It says, And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple, and scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work with cherubims shall it be made. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. And thou shalt hang up the veil under the tatches that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And thou shalt set the table without the veil and the candlestick over against the table on the other side of the tabernacle toward the south. And thou shalt put the table on the north side. And thou shalt make an hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet fine twine linen wrought with needlework. Okay. So we have this thing called the veil. The veil was to be of a beautiful work. It's scarlet and blue, fine twine linen. There was supposed to be the image of cherubims uh, entwined in this uh, veil. It was supposed to be thick enough 
that no light would pass through it. It was the separation between that which was holy and that which was most holy. It is a picture of the work of Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And in essence, as we're doing this pictures of Christ in the tabernacle, we're getting a great introduction to our uh, study in the book of Hebrews because we've been in just about every chapter of the book of Hebrews or will be by the time we finish pictures of Christ in, in the tabernacle. But uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18, it says here, now where, there, it, where, now where remission of these is, verse 17, it's talking about sins and iniquities, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin, having therefore obtained, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It says that the veil is the the veil in the temple is a picture of the flesh of Jesus Christ. Until he came to this earth and walked upon it, he was hidden. There were a lot of things that were prophesied in the Old Testament that no one not even the prophets who gave us those prophecies themselves really understood what was going on. How many times did Jesus tell the disciples, I am going to be uh, delivered into the hands of the chief priest and I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to rise again the third day. I mean, time after time in the Scripture did Jesus try to explain those truths to his disciples and what does it say after every time? But they understood not the words that he spake unto them. They understood not what he said. They understood after the resurrection. Not before. The veil was a separation. And after his death and his resurrection, that veil was done away with in Jesus Christ. We now can see things that Isaiah the prophet could not see. The veil was there. I've read some uh, Jewish scholars who claim that there's nowhere in the Bible that says that the Messiah had to come and suffer. He was coming to reign. No, it's all full of the Bible. All, the Bible is full of the suffering of Jesus Christ. You can't escape it. You just have to read the words. Amen? Jesus not only opened the veil, He showed us 
that the work of God was not yet complete and when that veil was uh, done away with in Jesus Christ, the work that was done on the holiest side of the veil was finished. You and I today need come no closer than the altar of incense in our prayers as we kneel before a holy God and offer the changes in our life. Remember, prayer cannot, does not, never has, never will change God. Prayer changes us so that God can do what He wanted to do in the first place. Amen? Because God always wants what's best. But He's not going to give it to us until we're willing to come His way and surrender our ideas to Him and pray for the things that He wants us to pray. And Jesus opened that way. He did away with the veil. They say that the veil in the temple, in Herod's temple as it was called, the second temple that was standing in Jerusalem, as Jesus just outside the city walls was crucified, it says when he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, said that veil was rent from the top to the bottom. Now, historians tell us that that veil was a fine twine linen as thick as a man's hand, six inches thick. I'll give you a night. You could take that veil and attach it to two tractor trailers going in opposite directions. And unless you were standing there with a very, very sharp knife, they would never be able to pull that veil apart. It's almost impossible to rend linen that would be that thick. I mean, stop and think how strong that thing had to be. Six inches thick of fine twine linen. And yet, God just went, ripped it right in two. The work of Jesus Christ took down the veil so that we and talk to God. Now we have the Ark of the Covenant. I think we'll get this in tonight. Amen. Exodus chapter 25. And by the way, whatever that guy's name is that chases the Ark of the Covenant in the movies, never found it, all right? Pure fiction. Never happened. Exodus chapter 25. Verse 10 is where we'll start. It says, And thou shalt, and they shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Excuse me. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and thou shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it, and put them in the four corners thereof, and the two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, and thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. Thou shalt put into the ark, and thou shalt put into the ark 
the testimony which I shall give. And this is about the Ark of the Covenant. The reason it is called the Ark of the Covenant is because the stone tables which God gave Moses on Mount Sinai were the covenant agreement, the summary, so to say, of all of the law of God. There was to be kept in that ark a copy of the law of God. Now, some people get excited about Ten Commandments. Actually, there's 613, uh, according to the theologian's count. And God is no less uh, desirous that number 613 should be kept than he is that number one should be kept because God's law is God's law, period. One of the things I like to ask, what would you know about God if you did not have this book called the Bible? What would you be able to know about God? Well, according to the Bible... We could look up into the heavens at night and know that God had to exist. That's about all. You cannot look, and no honest thinking person can look at the order and the integrity of creation and not admit that there had to be a creator. It is intellectually dishonest. That's why the Bible says the fool has said where? in his heart because once you once you deny truth in your heart your head will follow but you cannot you cannot honestly look around you and not know there is a God but without this book called the Bible without it being written down we would not understand his love we would not understand how he wants us to be saved we would not understand so much about life and everything that goes on around us. But with these words, with these words that are in this book called the Bible, and by the way, it doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Every word. Not just the ones you like. Not just the ones you think belong there. The Bible is not of any private interpretation. It means if you're the only one in the world smart enough to figure it out, guess what? You're a whole lot dumber than you thought. Amen? Because if it's not in there, if you can't show me, if you have to get some, some weird thing from somewhere else, that's not of God. I remember reading a book a while back. It was on prophecy and and in the opening paragraph, the guy said, No one has ever found this out since the foundation of the world. This is new information that's never been figured out before. That's as far as I got. I just took the book and gave it back to whoever loaned it to me. I don't need to read this book. Amen? Because if that guy thinks he's smart enough that he's the only one that's ever figured it out, it, it's not Bible. Because all you have to do is read what it says. That's all you have to do. Amen? And the Ark of the Covenant. Again, it was wood. The Ark had its own crown. Somebody said, yes. The crown was there to keep the mercy seat from sliding off when it moved. Okay, if you want to get on these things sliding apart, be my guest. 
but there is a crown because of the deity of Jesus Christ. Amen? And Jesus had his own deity because he is God. Every bit as much of God as God is God. And in that ark, they were going, they, at one time they had put three things in the ark. Does anybody think they remember what all three things are? Okay, we got one. We have the tables of the law, Aaron's rod that budded, authority, and a golden bowl of manna. Isn't that interesting? That those three things, the word, the bread, and the rulership, the leadership, the God-proven authority. Isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ? He is the authority. Amen? And by the way, He doesn't need the church to set up His kingdom. That's not our job. That's His job. And, and if we could just get some churches and some religious organizations to understand that, we wouldn't have had to have World War I, World War II, or this present war against terror because they were all started by people who thought it was their job to set up Christ's kingdom on earth. And all of the wars through the Middle Ages, I mean the Hundred Years' War, uh, all of these things were fought because somebody thought it was their job to get Christ's kingdom set up. What a joke. He's the authority. He's the Word. He's the bread of life. And what sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant? The mercy seat. Solid gold, no wood in the mercy seat. The picture of the throne of Almighty God. That is where the blood was sprinkled on the Day of Atonement. Jesus ascended into heaven. Hebrews chapter 9. With his own blood. And sprinkled it on the real mercy seat in heaven. Which is the very throne of God. What does the Bible say? Having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's why no church can give you salvation. That's why no organization. That's why you can't do enough good to earn one second of heaven. You cannot uh, earn heaven. You can't do anything to deserve one second in heaven because you can't take away your sin. And there are those who say that, well, you know, I, I believe Jesus paid for my sins and I, I trust Him as my Savior, but if, if I don't fight the good fight, He's going to take that salvation away from me. Well, wait a minute. Where was that salvation paid for, my friend? It's on the blood-sprinkled mercy seat in heaven. Jesus died on the cross, sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And if your salvation is going to be lost, you're going to have to go to heaven, fight through the twenty and four elders, fight through the four mighty beasts, and then have to fight with God himself to get the blood off the garments. And by the way, if you have even in your wildest imagination desire to do such uh, I would question 
whether you ever understood salvation at all in the first place. Amen. Our salvation is eternal because it's all of Christ, none of us. Jesus finished all of the work. All we need to do, come in through the door. We stop at the brazen altar, which is a picture of our death to ourselves, our daily death, our daily bearing that cross. We stop at the brazen labor, not to take a bath, my friend, because we've already been made clean through the blood of Jesus Christ, but to cleanse the daily defilement that sticks to us. We then can enter into the holy place and see the light of the candlestick to partake of the bread of the Word of God that our prayers may be offered. And by the way, where do we get the fire for the golden altar? We brought that in from the brazen altar, the death of ourselves. That's what fuels our prayers. That's the only fire God will accept is the embers that are still glowing from the end of ourselves and our desires that we may pray for His desires and His will to be done. That's as close as we get, amen? And it's all through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing it is, amen? I don't know about you, I just, I love this. I could spend the rest of my ministry just preaching about this stuff. Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the high priest and how he is a picture of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about the different feasts and how they picture Jesus Christ. And then the last lesson I want to do in this series is the living Word and the written Word. I just uh, found a CD uh, recording of a message preached by Pastor Thompson called The Living Word, The Written Word. I'm going to make sure and listen to that and get all good notes from it and uh, it'll, I'll, uh, my message will be better for it. Amen? And so, uh, uh, but I'm giving him credit now. Amen? I'm, pl- I'm plagiarizing, but it's from a good source. And so, let's look at the Word of God. And remember, you, you can live these things every day. This isn't only for what goes on in church. This is what's to go on in the kingdom of God, which is in your heart every day. Amen? Every day we live. We are to seek to worship God with our life. And the key ingredient to worship, first ingredient is humility. Second ingredient is obedience. You can't have worship without humility and obedience. By the way, you can't have obedience without humility. Amen? Because you got to remember, you, you can't do it. I can't do it. But Jesus can. And that's what this tabernacle is all about. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these pictures that we can look at in your picture book, the Bible. We ask that they would explain to us and help us to see and understand these great truths. And 
Lord, that we would live in them each day. Lord, as we get discouraged, as we get tempted, as, as we are uh, sometimes just, uh, in essence, beaten up by the things that go on in this world, let us remember there's a door through which we must enter. There's a table at which we are to eat. There's a candlestick which is to give us light to see. And there's an altar upon which the incense of our prayers are to be offered up to you. Lord, the Word of God says in the morning, in the evening, a perpetual incense. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to eat of your word. Teach us to worship you. Print your image upon us. Conform us to the image of your dear Son. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take just a moment. Have Joey come and play a verse or two.